Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have author Michael Haspel uh, on to talk about his book, Graveyard Shift, which has a fascinating cover that you kind of see a silhouette of a guy with the title, and then you see what looks to be like a, a mummy's tomb. Uh, yeah, it's a, an Egyptian pharaoh, like, kind of behind him, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, I love the cover. Now, can you kind of give us a little bit of a background of what Graveyard Shift is? Sure. It's a urban fantasy kind of noir um, story. Uh, the short version is it's about an immortal pharaoh who's uh, battling an, uh, a vampire conspiracy that's been around for, uh, you know, millennia. Uh, and he's using some drastic measures and some questionable allies to prevent something that's much worse. So <laughs> uh, he's. It, it's interesting because he there's there's a lot of like interesting like situational ethics going on like. How far do you take something before you become the bad guy? That kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> no, I like that. Now, what made you decide to kind of take you know uh, noir and urban fantasy and kind of mesh them together? Um, it just kind of turned into that. It started off as, it, and I'll be very honest here. I've been working on this for a long time. I wrote it back in uh, 2009, and uh, I did not even really know what urban fantasy was at the time. So I was just writing, writing the story as it came to me, and as um, as more and more elements started coming into it, you know, I started recognizing some tropes that were that fit in more with noir. You know, yeah. the whole uh, femme fatale, uh, the you know the, the ornate mysteries, all this stuff, uh, secret societies, all, all kinds of stuff like that. And I was just like, wow, you know. So I kind of in subsequent drafts uh, pushed it a little bit more towards noir. Um, okay. But it's still firmly urban fantasy. <laughs> nice. So what got you into writing? Uh, I have been writing uh, for a long, long time, like since uh, fourth grade or third grade. Okay. I wrote uh, some stories. I, I went to military school, like from fifth grade on. And at military school, we had like a little literary magazine thing that people would make. And I'm going to date myself here. The, the teacher would make on a ditto machine and kind of pass it off. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and I remember writing a story which, interestingly enough, would fall into urban fantasy. It was a werewolf story, uh, and my friends just adored it, and of course then fell really hard into uh, role-playing games, Dungeons and & Dragons and stuff, and I would take our stories and just write them out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, and that was a lot of fun. I, being at military school, we didn't have, you know, access to TV and stuff. So we played a lot of role-playing games, read yes. a lot of books. Well, I, it's kind of interesting how many authors actually have played D&D, which helped cultivate their storytelling abilities and to a, to a point where they could write a, a novel and not have uh, issues and stuff like that. It's, it's just amazing how many people are, are out yeah. there. Um, I, I worked until very recently at a, at a game store, a, a, a tabletop game store. You know? mm-hmm. So, uh, and it was incredible to me just how many, just how much of the crossover there actually was between gamers and writers. We had quite a few writers frequent our store, you know, and, yeah. and a lot of role-playing game guys, you know, and, and everything and gals, of course. Uh, uh, but yeah, there's a huge crossover. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's amazing, because, you know, when we bring him on, we're talking to him, and we're like, you know, what was kind of your, your start in getting into writing and stuff like that? Oh, I would say probably about 75% of them say, oh, well, I played D&D back in the time, or some sort of role-playing game, which yeah. kind of gave them those basic building blocks of, of storytelling and crafting the story and outlining, and it's just, it's amazing. Well, one of the things I really like about it is it's kind of instant feedback. When you when you write the novel, um, you might think it's the greatest thing in the world, put it in a drawer, and then a month later you're like, oh, no, this is awful. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you take it to your critique group, and that's kind of the only feedback you get. Yeah. But with, like, a role-playing game, you kind of get real-time, like, people just give you that look, like, okay, that's a really stupid idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're right, because, you know, if, if you tell the story, you can tell your players are loving it or you can tell that they're they're hating it when suddenly they start picking up their phones or they're having other yeah, side conversations yeah. and they're not like entrenched to oh, oh what's going to happen next so um but, exactly but like with a book i mean i completely understand you you know you like you said you wrote this quote back in 2009 it's just now seeing the light of day for everyone else and it's like well, do you, does everyone like it yes or no and you're waiting oh, for reviews yeah. and stuff like that and I haven't really started to like freak out like yet, um, because to me it's still a little bit surreal. Yeah. Um, but I think when it hits, it's going to be an epic freak out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so wh- how was the feeling to finally hold the book in your hand? Because I'm sure you have a copy now. What was that moment like? Yeah, I actually don't have a copy. I have an arc. Oh, you have the arc. Okay. Yeah, but I don't have a completed copy yet. I that's going to happen. Um, at Comic Con, which is nuts. Nice. You know? So, so that's pretty cool. But I'm, but just having the arc was really neat. But this, uh, this journey took a very, very long time, and it was somewhat painful. And it was like through no fault of anybody, you know. You know, it was just circumstances. But yeah. it's like, I think we signed our contract in 2013. It, it was a, it wow. was a bumpy road. Yeah. Um. So, and, and I'm kind of a pessimist to begin with so every time every time something would happen i would just be like well that's it you know what i mean yeah no i understand <laughs> i i do um it's everyone kind of sees authors and writing is this really amazing thing which it is but i don't think they really realize how difficult it is to go from starting you know writing that first draft Going through all the edits, getting the contract, and then finally getting it out—it's a really long process. Uh, it is. It is grueling, and and what surprised me was just how emotionally taxing. Oh yeah. Um, 
It actually is. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think. I was not prepared for that. Well, first of all, when I when I got into it, um, I I had written screenplays before, and I had written some kind of novel length fanfic before. So this, I wasn't. I wasn't uh, new to the to the process of sitting down and getting you know two thousand words in a session or something. Yeah. But uh, I was so sure that okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just knock out this book, and then I'm just gonna be a professional writer, and that's the way it's gonna be. That I quit my day job, which don't do that. Anyone who's <laughs> listening to be a writer, do not do that. That was really naive and dumb. And but I did knock out the novel relatively quickly um, because that's what I was doing, you know? So, yeah. um, I turned that out. I actually wrote like two or three other, uh, novels. One of them is like half the, so that's why I don't really count that one. Um, and then went to my first writer's conference kind of with, you know, book in hand. And I actually, I actually burned my novel into these little like business card CDs. Cause I was sure everyone was going to want it. And it was just going to be, you know, licensed to print money. It's just, who wouldn't want to get in on this? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, reality is, is somewhat different. <laughs> yeah, but it's a labor of love. It definitely is. And it's, I've always seen writing as kind of a portion of your soul. You're putting it out there. It's a piece of you. And it, it is tough. I mean, especially that when you, it gets to the, the publisher and they do their first round of edits and that comes back. Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, I don't know. I got kind of lucky on that. Okay. Um, my uh, my editor, when he said back, I worked with uh, Moshe Fetter at Tor. Okay. And uh, almost everything he sent back, I had one rule that that I couldn't break, and that was that um, it had to be uh, the the Pharaoh's name had to be Menkara. It had to be the Pharaoh Menkara because there's I have the whole cycle like you know, plotted out and everything. And actually an entire other book written in this series already. So I was like, I cannot change that. It has to be that guy, but I was open to everything else. And every suggestion that he made, I wound up going, you know, it's, it's better that way. Um, sometimes it made my life more difficult because I was like, Oh, but if this happens, then I have to go change this, this, and this. Yeah. But I was like, but that's actually better. Like, (laughs) that's actually cooler. So it worked out. Nice. So, what made you decide to take this immortal feral, uh, pharaoh, excuse me, yeah, and make him a police officer? It. This is just like really weird. So, um, this is going to sound very cliche, but I had a dream, um, and I woke up, and the only thing I could remember from the dream was a, a sentence that said, uh, "I used to kill vampires for the NSA, and now I work vice." Nice. And that's literally all I remembered. And I remembered kind of the gist, like the world of the dream, but I didn't remember specific events. So I wrote it all down and just freaked out. And I was just, just thinking about it and everything. And, and more and more I started, um, I'm kind of big into Egyptology too. So more and more I started looking into, uh, what would be the ideal vampire killer? Yeah. Like vampire hunter. And I kind of centered, I like the dichotomy stories, and I like villains. I have a soft spot for villains. So I like um, that that the villain has his own kind of story that, that they're telling. And in their story, they're not the villain. They're the hero. So uh, I started just centering on why all these mummy movies, why, why is the mummy evil? 
Mm because that doesn't make sense to me. Like, if I became a mummy and woke up 2,000 years from now, I wouldn't be evil. I wouldn't be throwing sandstorms at cities and stuff. (laughs) Even if I could, I would just kind of be me. Um, And kind of centered on that and went, oh, wow, you know, this would be really cool, and no one's really done that. Yeah. So it was original, and, and I centered on it. Plus, there's, as I did more and more research, uh, there's some really cool historical stuff that, that actually occurred that if you twist it just, you know, just a little bit and kind of squint at it, you can make it sound supernatural. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's what that's what steered me there. Nice. I mean, I really love the fact that you went with a mummy. Uh, I mean, even if you look back at the mummy movies with Brendan Fraser, it the, the base of it, it's it's a love story. That's why the mummy is doing everything he wants to, because he wants to be with his long lost love, and he's just willing yeah, to yeah. go to any extent to do so. So he looks like the bad guy because of all the crazy stuff he's doing. So I and I love that. He's just not this weird mummy that's just woken up that wants to destroy the world. There's there's a reason for what he's doing. Yeah, and there's a great one of the one of the stories that I really liked, and it's kind of a tongue in cheek story. It's one of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's lesser-known stories. I think it's called Conversations with a Mummy. And it's, it centers around at the late Victorian period. Um, and in the early 1900s, like, people would have, like, mummy unwrapping parties. Like, this was an actual thing where they would take mummies and bring them into their parlor and unwrap them for everybody to see. Oh, wow. And in this Edgar Allan Poe story, uh, they unwrap this mummy, and it's alive. <laughs> and he's he's kind of chill like he's he's very kind of calm and just you know wakes up and is like oh dude my parts can i get some brandy and <laughs> they hook him up and and he kind of just explains what happened and that and, oh you know oh embalming's all the range and it was kind of just written tongue-in-cheek but i really liked this idea that there was like this mummy but it wasn't it wasn't evil yeah it was just kind of like a guy you know <laughs> I'm I'm just hanging out. I need I need a drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just like, oh, you know, I I could use a drink, and it's a cute, cute little fun story, you know. Yeah. Uh, you can probably burn through it in like I don't know, twenty minutes or something. Wow. Well, and, and I like the fact you have, you know, the the mummy fighting the vampire. I mean, the 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 idea of just having humans fighting vampires has always been odd. Just because vampires are super powerful if they're done correctly, so it's yeah. nice to see another immortal powered villain s type creature fighting another villain creature. Yeah, well, and there's there's a complication to that as well because his partner uh, is also a vampire. So oh, <laughs> yeah. So in the entire world, I'll give you the long version instead of the short version. In the long version, we're dealing with a world where this event has happened called the reveal where vampires have, to use a true blood phrase, um, have come out of the coffin. You know, okay. there was like a blood substitute, kind of like true blood, uh, and so all these vampires have really come out, and they're part of the world. And they, there is, essentially there have been complications around the world in Europe and stuff like that, where vampires were very much still seen as monsters, whereas uh vampire hands working with Hollywood and pop culture and stuff like that have been trying to do like predictive programming stuff to get, uh, humans ready to accept vampires. So they've been putting them in children's TV shows and on the side of breakfast cereals and, and in books and in movies and vampires are all hip and really cool. 
So when they when they've come out, uh, Europe and in uh, Africa, uh, of Asia, they reacted very badly to to the reveal. And so there was this incident. Uh, a and this is all kind of you know backstory. This happens before the novel starts, where there was an incident and the uh, Supreme Court has granted essentially asylum to vampires in the United States. Huh. But because of that, there's a law enforcement problem where. What do you do when there's crimes committed towards or uh, by vampires? Like, yeah. who deals with that? And so there's this uh, squad called the the Nocturne Section. The entire story takes place in Miami. So you have the, the Nocturne Affairs Bureau. And the, the word vampire has kind of become un-PC, so they call them Nocturnes. And that is where the story kind of takes place, is that somebody in Miami is poisoning the blood substitute that that vampires use to, to survive on. And it drives vampires into this crazy frenzy and they attack anything nearby. Wow. And that's, that's kind of the catalyst that starts the book is that they're reacting to this and a murder that is, uh, that's taking place. And the signature left at the murder is from this like notorious vampire serial killer that was all over the world, but now it looks like he's in Miami. And that, that's actually right when the book starts, is that uh, our Alex, who is the pharaoh, he goes by Alex, but his, his, there's a whole thing where his name's Alejandro, and uh, he he's at the scene of the murder, trying to figure out what had happened. That's where the yeah. book starts. I like the background. I mean, I can kind of visualize that in modern day. We have Count Chocula on the serial. We have yeah. vampires all over movies and TV, and even in cartoons with... Uh, Hotel Transylvania and and so on. So, yeah, that's pretty yeah. uh, that's pretty possible. I like that. Yeah. So it's it it was very fun to write, and uh, I hope they. I like like I said, I have the other the other books in the series all plotted out. I have uh, two of the other books written, so hopefully it gets it does well and and Tor picks it up and yeah, we'll be off and running. Well, but, I mean, I, I I mean just bouncing an idea off my head i can see all the fans that like follow larry korea's monster hunter international books just devouring this because this is like that um, oh i would i would really hope so because his books do really well yeah so and i know we have several of larry's fans that listen to the show so hey guys take a look at this book it's right yeah, down your alley <laughs> I mean, really, it is. It's it's fantastic, and and I've read the, those books of Larry's. And the more you talk about this, I'm like, yeah, this is just that's like right down that alley. We got monsters, we've got guns, we've got death, mayhem. Um, the only cool thing is you got a side of noir in here, which just makes it even better. Yeah. <laughs> so now the book is set to release on July 18th, so just before Comic Con. Um, well, after Denver Comic Con, but before San Diego. Well, San Diego. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, which Comic Con will you be at that you get these? I will be at Denver Comic Con, okay. which is next weekend. All right. And again, and again, I'm like kind of not freaking out about it yet, but <laughs> I will have an epic freak out. Yes. Because <laughs> because it's one thing that I've been going to Comic Con for years, but always as an at- attendee. Yeah. You know, and this time I'm like a guest, and I'm on panels and. Nice. I'm, it's starting to it's starting to freak me out a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I I can understand. I've been in there myself. So it's it's definitely a surreal ride when 
you know, you've been going to the panels and you're in the audience, but now you're up on, at the table with the mics, yeah. sitting up next to other authors or people that you've seen for years, and you're like, "Wow, I, I'm one of these guys." Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a trip, and it's like when um when uh, I didn't even really know when they made the announcement. Uh, so so uh, some folks at the game store were like, "Hey, you're going to be a guest at Comic Con." I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I, you know, I check their page and I was just like achievement unlocked. Like that's yes. exactly the way it felt. <laughs> I was like, I have just uh, leveled up in my geekdom. Yes. Right here. <laughs> now if only reality had those like little Xbox achievement unlock things that pop up above your head, that would be awesome. Just yeah, exactly. Bing! Like yeah. A, a Scott Pilgrim kind of little, yeah. <laughs> little thing. Yeah. Now, so this right now it's kind of a, a standalone or it, until the or is there a contract for a series of books? Uh, there is no contract for a series of books right now. Okay, um, but uh, I have like like I said, I have the the prequel, which is kind of an origin story um, about uh, Alex, about how he became a mummy, and that takes place um, well for forty five hundred years before this book, you know, in ancient Egypt. So that's a little bit hard to market. Especially as a series, even yeah. though it does have the same characters, but it is almost a completely different genre because it's it's still urban fantasy, but it takes place in in Egypt in Egypt yeah. of twenty five hundred BC. So it's not really urban fantasy; it's more like historical fantasy at that point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm just hoping that the book does well enough that you know Tor comes calling and says, "Hey, you know, let's have the other ones." Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out to the listeners now to go buy this book, buy enough copies so we can get this prequel and the rest of them because it's going to be awesome. I can already tell. Uh, uh, I hope so. I'm already, I'm excited. I already want to get a copy. I mean, I know they've, they've sent me the arc. I've, I've started into it. it. It's great. I love the intro. You hooked me really well. And uh, I, I want to get to the end. I want to know what's happening, and it's 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 a great book. When when I can get hooked, and I don't want to set it down, and I want to lose sleep so that I can get through the next chapter or two, it's just it's amazing. And and you oh, did a, yeah. a great job at doing that. Thanks a lot. That makes me feel really great to hear you say that. That's awesome. So yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I I love uh, one thing that I. I've always struggled, even with my writing or seeing some other writings, when it's just like a random chapter. I love how your chapters give you a date and time. You know you know what day you're on. You, it gives you a flow of, you know, where we're at in the story. So, you know, oh, yeah, you know, it's now Friday or whatever, and, and the date. So yeah, that's fantastic yeah. that you did that. Yeah, because the whole thing happens, I, I want to say, like over 36 hours. It's very, very quick. Um and it's because, it, without giving too much away, it's because they've grown com- the the cops mm-hmm. and and our hero have kind of grown complacent. Yeah. So they get caught slipping, and it's <laughs> like, uh oh, this is happening. We need to solve it right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that's that the thing that's really fun about that is it also kind of pulls in that feeling that everyone loved from uh, Twenty Four. Where oh, yeah, we, yeah. we were watching the show and you had that, that countdown clock. You know, that would pop up and you're just like, it, I just felt like it would up the tension. And so by 
getting through those chapters and seeing the time, I think it builds, I, at least for me, it feels like that tension is building because I'm like, oh no, time's slipping away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and it, yeah, I remember uh, really liking like the early seasons of 24 and it became a kind of a game with me mm-hmm. to go, okay, well, how many minutes are left? Well, we're not getting to the end of this, you know. Pl- they're not tying this plot point up in the next yeah. five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and that's how I felt too. But you know, we, we have a little bit more time with books, obviously, than they have in a one-hour episode. Uh, you know, their whole season is pretty much like our one book. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but I love that tension. Study, it's a good study in how to how to do a cliffhanger. Yes, that, that show. Yeah, it, it was just like perfect. They would just, you know, do the, they'd show you at the end, you know, in the last like 10 seconds as the clock ran down, they'd show you that split screen with all the interacting uh, storylines going on and what was happening in each one. And then it would, you know, it would be oh, you have to wait till next week. And I was like, man, this is a great study in how to write cliffhangers. <laughs> chapter enders or something to get people to turn the next page. Well, I, I mean, it, it was like leveling up. Like by ten times the old Batman TV series yeah. cliffhangers, yeah. like will Batman survive? Will Robin get out of the Joker's trap? Find out next time. Yeah, uh, exactly. But yeah, it w- it was fantastic in doing it that way. So, where can the listeners find you if they want to kind of tr- track your progress and your future writings when the book finally comes out? Where you're going to be doing signings or anything like that? Um, I have a Facebook page, which is Michael F. Haspel, um, and I'm at Michael Haspel on Twitter, and I also have uh, uh, MichaelHaspel.com, okay. and all those will be are pretty regularly updated. I also have um, kind of a, a side website called Umbra Case Files, so that's Umbra Case Files, like all one word. And that is kind of a, just a precursor to the book. It's not really short stories. It's just kind of a snapshot into that world. Okay. Um, so if people are just interested in seeing, like, you know, what I'm what I'm talking about uh, and what's going on, it's kind of built like a conspiracy website. Like it's supposed to be. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, like, hey, this has been going on right right in front of our faces, and it's counting down to the events that start the book. It's kind of that's kind of reminiscent of that one group uh, that we saw in X Files. They're building up, all, doing all the yes, conspir- conspiracy yeah. stuff that Mulder the and uh, yeah, yeah exactly, eventually ran yeah. into. So that's awesome. I love that. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, again, thanks for your time. Uh, this has been awesome. Uh, I just want to urge the listeners to go pick up this book. It looks fantastic. I'm still making my way through it so far. I've enjoyed it. I love it. Uh, and if you are a fan of any of Larry Correa's books, this is like right down your alley. It's just perfect. So pick up a copy so that Michael can write more because I want to know more. Excellent. So, Thank you for having me on. Yeah. All right. With that said, we're out of here, guys. Just because the world is without fuel doesn't mean it can't burn. 
Union Force has unleashed a dragon upon the world, and it's hungry. Henry Morgan has to save his brother and face the dragon. Check out The Shadows Above the Flames, written by our very own Daniel Swanton and published by Immortal Works. You can find your copies on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, or anywhere books are sold. So go get your copy today and find out what happens to Henry and Rick. Thank <laughs> you.